0: All right, so I'm going to need some help here. We're in this series, uh, the, the Greatest Stories. You know what it's called? Never told. So we got a good story. Or at least I think it's a good story. You can at least smile and nod like you think it is. But here's what we're going to. I'm going to, make, I'm going to cause a divide in our church this morning. Usually you don't hear the, the pastor talk about division. We're going to divide the church. So here's the way this is going to work. Some of you have heard of this. It's called This or That. I'm going to give two different things, and I need you to make as much noise as you can with your preference, so for example, if I were to say Pepsi and Coke, everybody that prefers Pepsi, I need you to be real loud. All right, good. Wait, Hey, way to just be bold and to own it. All of you that prefer Coke, be real loud, wow. <laughs> I'm not shocked, I mean, we are outside of Atlanta, so I get that, all right, so you see how that works? You see how that works? Let me just try one more time. I don't feel like the Pepsi folks got a fair share there. Pepsi people? You picked up a few. They might be pity, but you picked up a few. I'm scared to ask, but Coke people? Yeah! <laughs> there you go. All right, all right, let's do another one. You ready? Uh, let's do. This one might be interesting, just being a church crowd. Let's do Chick-fil-A and Zaxby's. All right, here we go. All right, so be real loud for your preference. Chick-fil-A? Yeah! Wow, more than Coke. And then we have Zaxby's? If my kids were in here, they would probably cheer for Zaxby's. I don't know why. They absolutely love Zaxby's. All right, here we go. Let's get a little bit more controversial here. You ready? Let's really divide this place up. We're going to do iPhone and Android. You ready for this? All right, iPhones. Androids. That one was pretty even. That one's pretty even. All right, now this one was a really big deal when we lived in California. I'm not sure if it's a big deal in Georgia. We're going to find out. This is going to be Red Vines and Twizzlers. I don't know if that's a big deal here or not. We're gonna find out. Red vines. All right. <laughs> You're not from around here, I guess. Twizzlers. That's awesome. All right, all right, all right. Last one. Republicans and Democrats. I'm just kidding. Don't answer that one. Don't answer. Oh man, you should see the looks on your faces. He went there. <laughs> Yeah, don't answer that one. I wouldn't dare. Now, here's what we see happen, though. Anytime you kind of draw a line in the sand and you give a this or a that, we just naturally have preferences, don't we? We have opinions. We have perspectives. We have views. And because of those, we choose a side. We choose a side. Well, some of you, the majority of you are Coke and Chick-fil-A and iPhone and, and Twizzlers, apparently, But we naturally choose sides, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. We tend to congregate and gather with people that think like us and and agree with us. And it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it can turn into something pretty negative and and pretty divisive and and problematic. Not just individually, but even just as a culture, as a church, as a community. So it's okay that we, we disagree, but the question is, what do we do when we disagree? And understand what we're gonna look at this morning is not talking in conflict in the sense of if you are physically hurt or abused by someone else, within the context of just we have differing opinions, we have differing views, maybe even differing beliefs. How do we interact with one another in different relationships when we have disagreements? I mean, whether this is with you and your spouse, I mean, my wife and I, we disagree on a lot of things. How do we interact then? How do we continue to move forward? with your coworkers, with your neighbors, with even here at church, as friends and family? How do we interact with one another in a Christ-like way when we disagree? Because we are going to disagree. So the scripture we're gonna look at, the story we're gonna look at, you might not have ever heard of before, but we see an interesting story between two individuals that have a pretty big disagreement, but we see them handle it in such an incredible way. So if you have your Bibles, head over to Acts chapter 15, Acts 15, and we are going to look at two guys, Paul and Barnabas. Now, you might have heard of Paul and Barnabas, relatively well-known within church world and New Testament world, Um, but their disagreement is is a little less known. So let me give you a little background on Paul and Barnabas. First of all, Paul had a name before he turned Paul. Anybody remember? He was Saul. That's right. Saul is known for being a high-up religious leader that persecuted the church, that persecuted Christians. He did everything he could to keep the church squashed down and persecuted Christians. Well, Saul had an incredible then-God moment where he met Jesus, truly met Jesus, and he then became a believer, and then his name turned to Paul. So that's Paul for you. Saul, now Paul. Barnabas, we don't know as much of his story, but his name literally means son of encouragement. You see him throughout the New Testament as one of these disciples that travels around and encourages churches and is a leader in the early church. So Paul and Barnabas have been working together. And in fact, I want you to see how they actually met. So hang on to Acts 15. You don't have to turn here. I just want to show you how they met Acts chapter 9 verse 26. Here's how they met. When he talking about Saul, remember he's going to become Paul here in a little bit. When he, Saul, came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. Which we couldn't blame them, could we? The early church leaders hear of Saul persecuting the early church, persecuting Christians, and now that same guy saying, Hey, I'm one of you. Let me in. I, I want to be a disciple just like you. And they're thinking, No, that doesn't make sense. That's not smart. But look what happens. So Saul tries to get in to the disciples. They don't let him, verse 27, but Barnabas. Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He showed them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him. And how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul was getting nowhere with the early church leadership, even though he truly had changed. He had a change of heart and he was now a believer wanting to preach the good news of Jesus. No one would listen to him, but then Barnabas comes to his side. And Barnabas vouches for him. Barnabas takes him to the apostles. No, I, I've seen it. Here's what he's done. I mean, let me explain. And from that moment forward, you can read about in Acts chapter 11, Paul and Barnabas, they become a team. They're coworkers. And, and from their relationship, I'm sure even a close friendship would have, would have grown and knitted them together. They do what we would just call like these missionary trips, these missionary journeys to all of these churches in the region. They travel for years, truly years together, from church to church, place to place, people group to people group, telling them about Jesus, giving them the the do's and don'ts of church and how to get their church going, how to keep a healthy church, how to help their community. They do all this together for years. It was an incredibly close relationship that was based on sharing the good news of Jesus. Jesus. And they did it together as a team. But just like any team, just like any relationship, any friendship, there's always disagreements. Because just like we witnessed, there's always things that divide us. There's always going to be things that we differ on with other people. And if we're not careful, our differing opinions, the things that we disagree on, end up pushing us apart. But what Paul and Barnabas are going to show us is it doesn't have to be like that. We can most certainly agree to disagree. Let me just say that. It's okay to disagree. Within our church world, kind of that, what you might call like a Christian subculture, we feel like it's, oh, we have to, we have to always agree. We have to always like each other. We have to always get along. That's not always going to happen. <laughs> it's okay to disagree, but we have to learn to disagree well. So I want you to see their disagreement and what their disagreement was over, but more importantly, how they handled their disagreement. So here we are, Acts chapter 15. Take a look at your Bible or take a look on the screens. Acts 15, starting in verse 36. Sometime later, so after years of Paul and Barnabas traveling together for the gospel, sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. So after they've kind of finished this big, long trip, Paul says, let's start over again. Let's go back to where we started. Let's visit all these churches Check on them, encourage them, continue to help them. It's a great idea. Let's go back and see how they're doing. Verse 37, Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it was wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. There's the disagreement. Paul says, let's go visit all these other churches and and let's see how they're doing. Great idea. Barnabas says, let's take John Mark, or you might just know him as Mark. Just so you know, the Mark that we're talking about is the same Mark that wrote the Gospel of Mark. You go back, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's that Mark that they're disputing, that they're having this disagreement over. Barnabas says, let's take Mark with us. He'll be a, a, a good protege, an apprentice. It'd be good for him to go with us. We can teach him, raise him up, grow him, disciple him in the process. Let's take Mark with us. Paul says, no, 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 no. <laughs> He's deserted us. He, he le- Remember when he left us? We're not going to take him with us. There's no way we're going to take him with us. So there's the dispute. There's the the disagreement. Paul thinks one thing. Barnabas thinks another. Look what happens next. Verse 39. They had such a sharp, and what's this word? Disagreement. Write it down, circle it, underline it, highlight it. That's what we're talking about today. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. They couldn't agree. They most certainly could not agree. There was a, what we would see as maybe a division between them. Paul wanted to take somebody else, anybody else other than Mark. Barnabas says, no, let's take Mark. They could not see eye to eye. They could not agree. So they said, well, let's just go our separate ways. So what tends to happen, and we see this in, in our lives as well, is lines are drawn in the sand, right? So let me get a line here. Lines are drawn in the sand, and we choose sides, just like we did with Pepsi and Coke and iPhones and Androids. We choose a side, and I want you to actually choose a side. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you on the spot. Because when you look at Paul and Barnabas, you could argue both sides, I mean, we, we could see a point to both of their arguments and their point of view. Again, Barnabas is saying, give this guy a second chance. Yeah, he technically deserted us. He left us in that moment. But, but Paul, you did that too. If it wasn't for me, you wouldn't have had a second chance. So let's give him a second chance and see what happens. Paul's side is, Barnabas, there's no way we can bring Mark with us. We have to have people we rely on. I mean, this is not for the faint of heart. If he's deserted us once, chances are good he's going to desert us again. We have to have people around us that we can count on. Both are valid arguments and good points of view, so I want you to pick a side. All right, so the Barnabas side is give Mark a second chance. The Paul side is we need people we can rely on. All right, so choose a side. Don't be one of those people, I don't want to vote. You have to vote. All right. So just like we did the Pepsi and Coke, here we go. Where are my Barnabas people? Give Mark a second chance. All right, all right. Where are my Paul people out? Of no, he had his chance. We need people we can rely on. Where's my Paul people? There you go, there you go. Once again, this is what causes church splits. All right, we're gonna have the Mountain Lake Dawson Barnabas church probably starting next Sunday somewhere else. That's what tends to happen is we choose sides, we see the line, and We have a disagreement that turns into an argument that turns into conflict, division, dissension, and that becomes problematic. But what we see from Paul and Barnabas is it doesn't have to be that way. We can agree to disagree, we can disagree well. So, what I want us to do is we're just going to look at a couple things out of how they had their disagreement, how they walked through their disagreement. Because we all have disagreements in our relationships. Once again, we are unable to go through life where we agree with everybody and everybody always agrees with us. Where we like everybody and everybody always likes us and everybody approves everything that we do. That's not going to happen. So when we have disagreements, how do we disagree well? First thing that we see here within Paul and Barnabas is they disagreed but they kept the unity. They kept the unity. Sometimes we don't feel like we can do that. Well, how can we be unified if we don't agree? Agreeing and unity are very, very different. Agreeing is just based off of opinions and preference, you know, shallow belief systems. Your unity is the core. And what we see with Paul and Barnabas is the core was never an issue. They were still on the same mission. Tell other people about Jesus. We just don't agree on what that looks like. Tell other people and encourage the churches with the gospel and the good news of Jesus. They agreed on that. That that was the core of who they were and their mission, but they just didn't agree on who they should take with them. So we are allowed to disagree, but we must, we must keep and protect the unity. Sometimes we choose agreement over unity. It doesn't end well. Unity is stronger. It is more important than just agreeing together. Jesus, in fact, when he was, Right when, when he was in the garden right before he was arrested, he prayed for several individuals and for several groups of people. He started by praying for his disciples, those closest with him. And again, we, we all have that mental picture, right, of Jesus on his knees in the garden right before he's arrested. I want you to see one of the last things that Jesus prays. John chapter 17 records what Jesus prayed. Jesus said, my prayer is not for them alone. Talking about his disciples, like, you know, all of the disciples, his 12 that were close. Well, 11 at this point. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Who is that? Any believer that is gonna to come to believe in Jesus through the message of the early disciples. That's us, right? Not like you understand what I'm saying. Yes, that is us. Any believer that comes to believe Jesus because of the message of the disciples, that's all future believers. So now Jesus is ending his, what we would record as one of his last prayers before his arrest and then crucifixion is for you and for me, for us. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be, what's the word? One. That they may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be, say it again, one as we are. One. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to, look at this, complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them Even as you have loved me. Jesus' final prayer was for us to be unified. That's a big deal. What Jesus did not pray was oh, that all the future believers would really like one another all the time. Oh, that all the the believers and all the churches would always get along and agree on the same thing. No, there's none of that. He prays for unity, that you would be what was the word? one, that you would be one, we can disagree on a lot of things, but can we remain united in the most important thing? And sometimes that takes a lot of digging to find. So how do we do that? How do we disagree, but keep and protect and maintain the unity? It comes down to one word, empathy. Empathy is how we keep and protect and develop unity. Empathy is one of those words, and and the definition is kind of hard to understand, so you've probably heard it described this way, where empathy is walking a mile in someone else's shoes. Yeah, and that's pretty accurate. You look at somebody else's perspective. For all of you, well, all two of you Pepsi people, you try to put yourself in the Coke people's place, and you just can't fathom of why they like it, and Coke people vice versa. You, you try to walk a mile in their shoes. You try to put yourself in their place. You try to understand. You try to look from their viewpoint, and their perspective, and their history, and their background. You try to understand them, what they think, what they feel, why they are the way that they are. That's what empathy means, but understand that is very difficult to do, especially when it's with difficult people. Difficult people are all of those people you disagree with, so Empathy is saying the difficult person that you don't agree with, that you don't agree, that you, you disagree with, you're trying to understand them. That's a very hard task to do. So let me add to it. Let me add to that. Yes, it's walking a mile in someone else's shoes, but what do you do after that first mile? Here's what I would tell you. Get out of their shoes, put on your shoes, and just walk with them. That's true empathy. Where I'm not totally going to understand you. I mean, all of you here, I, I will do my best to put myself in your shoes, but I don't know what you've been through. I don't understand your perspective. That's okay. And you can't do that to me perfectly, but what we can do is walk next to each other. And the difficult thing that as far as how we think of empathy is, well, I can only do that with people as long as it, 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 it's something we agree on. right? We shy away from empathy around people we don't agree with. Understand that empathy doesn't require you to abandon your beliefs. I can walk next to somebody and not agree with them at all. Let me say that again. I can walk next to somebody. I can walk with them and disagree with them completely. Empathy doesn't require me to agree. Empathy's basis is love and compassion. I don't have to agree with them. Empathy is not enabling and it is not agreeing. It is just walking with the other person. And as you empathize and as you walk with them, chances are great you are gonna find at least one thing that would unite the two of you. You're gonna disagree on just about everything, and there's gonna be something that is gonna allow you to keep the unity, and you're able to empathize and walk with them. So often we get in relationships where, again, we pick sides, and our task, our agenda becomes I'm gonna try to get you from that side to my side. I'm gonna to try to convince you that I'm right and you're wrong, right? Look at Paul and Barnabas. There had to have been a moment of explaining why. We see a little bit of that explanation. But what we don't see is it turning into an all-out war. That's where we make a mistake, is on choosing sides we tend to go into combat battle mode. And we try to say why we're right, why you're wrong, because we just want you to agree with us. Empathizing doesn't require you to agree. Requires you to walk alongside them. And here's what you'll find. When you walk alongside somebody, then over time, you'll be able to direct them. The mistake is trying to direct somebody, lead somebody, change somebody when you haven't walked with them at all. And in fact, let me give you the reminder that it's not our job to change anybody. That's alone for God and the Holy Spirit. Our job, the commands that we have been given is to love God and love who? Others. Love your neighbor as yourself. Not to change your neighbor so they're like you. (laughs) Very different. So how do we love people? We walk alongside them. Even if we don't agree, we are okay. We don't have to abandon our beliefs and change who we are to just walk next to people. Empathy keeps us unified, and it's what we see with both Paul and Barnabas. They had enough empathy to at least see where the other person was coming from without getting combative and without breaking the unity, without it tearing them apart. Because this could have been this could have been a, a, a disagreement that totally ruined their relationship and could have even had impacts on the churches that they were meeting, right? If you heard about Paul and Barnabas totally splitting, whoa, what happened? What was such a big deal? Maybe this Jesus thing isn't all that they said it was, but they were able to disagree, but maintain and keep the unity, and they do that through empathy, just as we are called to do it through empathy as well. Second thing that we see through them, they disagreed, they kept the unity, but they disagreed and they kept their integrity as well. Unity and integrity are huge in our disagreements, so same thing for us. It's okay to disagree, agree to disagree, but keep and maintain, keep your integrity intact. In other words, you're responsible for you, not everybody else. I'm responsible for what I say and what I do and my actions. I can't control the other person. And that's where we get into trouble is because we get all worked up over I'm right and you're wrong. No, I'm right and you're wrong. That we begin to let go and we lose our integrity trying to win the battle and win the argument. We have to maintain and keep our integrity. Disagree, but keep your integrity. If you go back and look at the moment of this disagreement and how they saw it, verse 39 said, they had such a sharp, what was the word? A sharp disagreement that they, now time out there, time out there. I know how you know the, I know you know the story ends because we just read it. But let me put just a big fill in the blank there. They had such a sharp disagreement that they, what? Now for, for us, I mean, make this personal. Say, I've had such a sharp disagreement that I, oh, that, that's a little convicting, isn't it? <laughs> that I ranted on Facebook for an hour. That I texted everybody I could. That I... Lost my cool, that I got angry, that I shared some things, that I gave a, get, a gesture, that I, I mean, there's all sorts of things that you could fill in that blank with. When we disagree, we get all worked up because it's me versus them at this point, and we fill in the blank with, we had such a sharp disagreement that I ultimately lost my integrity. We get so worked up over disagreements that often we do everything but keep our integrity. Now let me just make this very clear because we have to keep this in context here because what they did is a great model. They did what was wisest in this moment. They parted ways. Now let me help you understand. This is not a marriage relationship. Paul and Barnabas did not say to each other till death do us part. Okay? They they're coworkers, they are friends, and there are moments where that is the the right and the best option is to hey the unity's still together. We're going to keep our integrity. We're just going to go and do the same thing, just in different ways, in different places, with different people. That's okay. But this is not a marriage relationship, so don't look at your spouse and say, "Brian said we could part ways." I mean, I'm supposed to just be done, right? <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. This is a different kind of a relationship. This is not a relationship based on promises and covenants through marriage. So don't use this argument on your spouse. You will lose big time. Make sense? But in other relationships, friendships, neighbors, co-working relationships, all kinds of other relationships without that covenantial promise, maybe we need to take a better look at how do we keep our integrity? Because what tends to happen is in the, in the moment of being right and in the process of being right, proving that we're right, we end up doing a lot more wrong though, don't we? Well, I'm right and I don't care how you learn that, I don't care what it takes to make you feel, know, and think that I'm right. And all of a sudden, we hurt a lot of people trying to prove that we're right. We don't see that with Paul and Barnabas. They both kept their integrity. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Unity was intact. Their integrity was intact. And I want to show you how well they kept their integrity. Later on, look what Paul writes. 2 Timothy 4, verse 11. Paul is writing to another church, and I want you to see if you can pick up what he does here. Here's one verse. He says this, Paul is writing, only Luke is with me. Get Mark, bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. That's Paul writing. Remember the same Paul that stood in front of Barnabas and says, There's no way we want to bring Mark with us. Now, if Paul had lost his integrity, lost his cool, said things that he shouldn't have said, would he have later been able to reach out and say, Mark, I need you? Remember what it said? Because he's helpful to me and my ministry. So often in disagreements, it becomes so much bigger than that because then it's not just division, but now we're burning bridges. Well, I can't even associate with you because you don't agree with me. We can't even talk anymore. Sometimes that's the fill in the blank, isn't it? Such a sharp disagreement that we'll never speak again. That's not what we see here. Paul and Barnabas were able to disagree, but keep integrity intact so that later on, Paul actually reaches out and requests Mark to come to him. You can only do that if you've maintained your integrity through that whole thing. For Mark to even agree to it. I mean, Mark, no, I remember what you said to me back with Barnabas. Uh Uh-uh. But even Mark would be able to recognize, hey, there was a disagreement. They both had valid points. It wasn't personal. I see it. And through empathy, they're able to keep the unity and also maintain their integrity. Disagree, but keep the unity. Disagree, but keep your integrity. Integrity. Here's what we see out of Romans chapter 12, and speaking of unity and what it looks like to maintain your integrity. Romans 12:18 says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, I love those little disclaimers. If it's possible, it's not always possible, but if it is, as much as it depends on you, because you're responsible for you, not anybody else, live at peace with everyone. Paul wrote that. If it's possible, as much as it depends on you, as much as you can control live at peace with everyone. Paul and Barnabas show us just that. They can disagree, majorly disagree, to the point where there's no agreeing, there's no compromise, there's no working this out for them to be able to say, hey, let's just part companies. Let's just go our different ways. But the mission remains the same and our integrity stays intact. There has to be peace. Let me tell you this. There cannot be peace where there's no integrity. There cannot be. Maybe you work in a place where it's lacking integrity. I promise you that place is not a peaceful place to work. (laughs) If your family is lacking integrity, it's not a peaceful family. Now does that mean that there's always peace? No. But there can be peace because there's integrity. If you pull integrity out of the equation, I promise you there's not gonna be peace. So if you want peace in relationships, hang on and fight for your integrity. How do we do that? Comes through the word filter. If we keep the unity through empathy, we keep our integrity through the word filter. It's about that time. We're getting into summer. Hopefully, you've already done your spring cleaning. You probably pulled out your your house filter. Well, you should have pulled out your AC filter. We do ours about once a year, and I pay for it, right? You pull that thing out, and it's disgusting, isn't it? You pull it out of like the furnace or the AC, and you look at it like, oh, gross. And what what was it doing? The purpose of a filter is to keep all of the crud from going into your house, isn't it? So it catches it. We need those in our life. Let me say it again, we need filters in our life that keep the crud from entering into our relationship. That means the things that we say, the things that we do, even our thoughts, we're told to to, to captive, take captive our thoughts. What's in our heart, we need a filter. So, if you wanna keep and maintain your integrity, especially when you're in the midst of disagreements, let me show you how to do that. There's four questions. I'm gonna put them up on the screen here. Take a picture of them, write them down, whatever you need to do to remember these four questions. These are your filters. So, when you find yourself in a disagreement, so later when there's a fight in the parking lot over Pepsi versus Coke, remember these filters, right? Here's the first one Is it beneficial? Questions to ask yourself Is it beneficial? So when you're in the midst of a disagreement, Paul and Barnabas, let's take Mark. No, there's no way we're taking Mark. What you're about to say next matters. What you are about to say next matters, and the question you need to ask yourself first is, is what I'm about to say beneficial? If it's not, don't say it. (laughs) What's interesting is in this account of Paul and Barnabas, we don't see a fight. Well, I think this and you're that. No, it's, here's why I don't think we should take Mark. Here's why we should take Mark, and that's it. And they couldn't agree, and so they parted ways. They said what was needed to be said. They said what was beneficial, nothing more. Second question to ask yourself, am I trying to win? Am I trying to win? We lose focus on unity especially, which then will cause us to lose our integrity eventually, when we're focused on winning the argument versus the, the, the whole point, which is unity and integrity. When we start to look at something and say, well, my whole agenda and job at this point is for you to then think and believe like me, we we've lost already because we go into combat mode and that's where we lose ourselves and we lose integrity and we become this monster because we're willing to do whatever it takes to get them to see our point of view and for us to win the argument am i just trying to win is this no longer a disagreement is this now a battle maybe even a war <laughs> what's your agenda where's your heart what's your motivation for engaging in this conversation You may just need to say, hey, let's agree to disagree, because you're not going to change the other person's mind, and they're not going to change your mind, nor is it your job to change them. Our job, again, is to empathize, walk with them, and keep our integrity. Who is the enemy? When we take sides, that's usually what happens. And in Paul and Barnabas' case, we would expect that to happen, but that doesn't happen. They disagree well in a very biblical way. They don't make each other the enemy. But that's where we normally go, isn't it? Once we draw the line in the sand, we say, well, this is what I think. This is what I believe. Here's my point of view. If you disagree, then you are opposed to me. You are against me. Let me make something very, very clear. We have one enemy. That's it. We have one enemy. That's the devil. That's it. So often we are quick to make other people our enemies. They are not the enemy. The enemy uses disagreements to cause division and dissension. But they are not the enemy. The moment we draw a line in the sand and we start to point fingers and you this and you that, we've created an enemy that is not our enemy. You can disagree with somebody that doesn't make them your enemy. Disagree but keep the unity. Disagree and keep and maintain your integrity. And the last one is, have I earned the right to be heard? This is one of the philosophies of Young Life. I used to work with Young Life um, before I got into full-time ministry. And this is one of their pillars is you have to earn the right to be heard. We are very quick to voice opinions and views and engage in discussions (laughs) with people that we really have no relationship with. Social media, internet, phones, text, all this stuff is wonderful for widespread, quick, and easy communication. It's also pretty negative when we use it without filters, when we are quick to just say, here's why I'm right and here's why you're wrong. The point is, can we not make them our enemy, and can I develop a relationship through empathy to learn their perspective and maybe over time have an influence in their life? But if you cannot answer yes to that question, have I earned the right to be heard? It's not a, it's not a, a fight worth fighting. Let me tell you this. I've, 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 I've had pushback on this, and if you're somebody that's you're like, you know, chomping of the base like, yeah, but, let me tell you this. Aren't we supposed to stand up for what we believe in Aren't we supposed to take a stand for Jesus? Absolutely, absolutely. But let me tell you this. God doesn't need me to defend him. He doesn't need me to defend him. Once again, he gave me two commands, to love the Lord my God and to love my neighbor as myself. I can do that and people can know where I stand. But that doesn't make them my enemy. And that doesn't mean I jump in with barrels blazing trying to change who they are either. That's God's job. And I have full faith that he can and will do that in people's lives. And maybe I get a chance to be part of that. But if I have not earned the right to be heard in their lives, then that conversation is going nowhere except for division and dissension. So you have to have filters. Have filters that's going to help you disagree but keep your integrity. Use empathy to disagree and maintain and keep the unity. One last verse I want you to see that Paul and Barnabas obviously do very well. Romans 12, 14 through 16 says this. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and not curse. That speaks to our integrity, doesn't it? Well, I'm supposed to just win the argument. No, no, fight for the unity. Maintain your integrity. Verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. It speaks to the empathy. Verse 16, live in, what's this word here? Harmony. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. In other words, don't think too highly of yourselves. He says, Here's how we're called to act, especially with people who are different, who who disagree with us, who are on the other side of the line that we have drawn. We can agree to disagree. We can still walk together. We can still have compassion and mutual respect for one another and not agree. That's okay. But Paul writes and says, live in harmony with one another. That's a very interesting word, especially coming from Paul because of his history with Barnabas, is harmony is not the same thing. Harmony is not the same note being sung or played at the exact same, same note. It's two different things. Just like Paul and Barnabas, they split up, they went different ways, still for the same, same mission, they stayed unified, but they did two very different things with two different people going in two different ways. And he calls us to do that. It's not about always agreeing and always being same. He said, have harmony. So I know some of you aren't as musically gifted you. I have no idea what I'm talking about. So Courtney's gonna help me. Come here, Courtney. Give Courtney a big hand. She's on our, our worship team. So you saw her singing this morning, you had her and Nathan, and let me tell you, her job, at least I think I know your job, like you're the harmonizer, is that even a word? Sure. Sure, we're going to go with that. Her job, you, you, you heard Nathan sing, and he's singing the melody, the, the, the tune, the notes that we're all trying to sing if we can't sing like me, and then you have the job of Courtney, which is, well, I'm going to not sing the same note, I'm going to sing a different note, but it's still going to sound good, That's right. and I thought it sounded pretty good this morning, you did a good job. So that's her job, is to sing a note that's different, but it still sounds good and still matches, right? So I'm going to put you to the test, because what makes somebody like Courtney even really good is they can do that with somebody that can't sing, like this guy. So have you ever heard me sing before? That's a good thing. We're going to keep it like that. I'm going to give you a small taste, and this is why they always mute me when I sing during worship. All right, so I'm going to, like, sort of sing a note, or it'll be a note-ish, and then... The frequency that dogs hear at, or the, the, when they run away, it's okay. going to be that one, and then you're going to have to match it, and we're going to see how this All goes. All right. right. Okay. <clears throat> oh, <gosh. clears throat> yeah. Do, like, do I need to warm up, or up or first? Do you, you normally know. warm up? All right. Here we go. You ready? Ready? <laughs> hey, that sounded good. Okay. That's not bad. You obviously didn't sing exactly what I sang, but you made it sound good. All right. Okay. You want to have some fun with this? Um, <clears throat> Let's do one more. Good. We've got time. All right, let's do one more. You ready? All right, here we go. <clears throat> that, was, that was pretty good. I have to maintain it. That's not going to happen. Give Courtney a big hand. Great job. That was fun. The most you'll ever hear me sing is right there. But no, no, notice what happened. Not just bad singer, good singer, but you had one note and then another note. Two totally different notes, but it worked, didn't it? There was still unity within the two things being sung, two things being played. We see the exact same thing with Paul and Barnabas. And here's what's fascinating. If you keep reading through the book of Acts, after they split and they went their different ways, Paul with Silas, Barnabas with Mark, they doubled their efforts. Twice as many churches were started. Twice as many people heard the gospel. Twice as many current churches were then encouraged. They covered twice as much ground because of a disagreement that went well. So I would encourage you, never underestimate the power of what God can do through your disagreement, if you disagree well. If you allow a disagreement to then totally cause disunity and division and dissension, of course that's gonna be problematic. But if you will disagree well, agree to disagree, with empathy and integrity, you will see God do amazing things even through our disagreements, even through our disagreements. And last side note, so often we have this compulsion for, to fight for people to agree with us because we don't even have peace in our own life. You will not have full peace, not peaceful. You will not have full peace until you have the peace that only comes from Jesus. If you're trying to find peace by everybody agreeing with you and liking you and and acknowledging you and affirming you, you're gonna be disappointed a lot. Find your full peace only in Jesus and then allow your disagreements because they are preferences. Allow your disagreements to be used for God's glory because he most certainly can. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for what we learned through your word. Thank you that the unity that you have called us to is is the point. And God, help us to do just that. Help us to focus on what unifies us, not what separates us. And I pray that even through our disagreements, you, you help us disagree well, just like we see with Paul and Barnabas, that you will give us the maturity and the wisdom to disagree but keep the unity, to disagree and maintain our integrity. So that through even our disagreements, God, you can be glorified and you can do amazing things even through moments of disagreement. God, help us to have a heart for other people, to empathize and walk with them, even those and especially those that we disagree with. Help us to have the self-control to maintain and keep our integrity even in the most heated discussions. May we ask the right questions and may we continue to look and be directed more and more towards you. We love you and we thank you for the lessons we learned through your word. Help us to become more like you. In Jesus' name, amen.